Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, uh, House of Gucci is hitting theaters. Sir Ridley Scott is our guest, and we review the new Disney Plus show, Hawkeye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 192 of Real Blend, a podcast that's hosted, as always, by the father, the son, and the house of Gucci. On this week's show, Marvel has another show hitting Disney Plus that we're going to talk about. House of Gucci is in theaters, and ladies and gentlemen, Sir Ridley Scott joins us (laughs) as the guest on this week's episode of Real Blend. Sir, can you say that one more time? Sir Ridley Scott uh, is our guest on the Real Blend podcast, and um, someday over drinks at the next meetup, we will tell you guys the full story <laughs> <laughs> of booking Ridley Scott on the show. <laughs> because there's a reason that we say if it happens, and I just wanted to point that out to everybody. Um, by and we, then there's a reason if we say if it happens three more times. <laughs> <laughs> by we, I mean Kevin McCarthy, back from his cruise uh, stateside once again. He works for Fox Five in Washington D.C. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Sean, Gabriel, Jacob. I uh, first of all want to say one. Uh, we also had Jason Reitman and Ivan Reitman on the show last week. So if you Correct. missed that, Terrific please go back and listen to that. And two, uh, to your joke, uh, am, am I correct that that line was improvised? I read yes. somewhere that that yep. Gaga improvised that line, which I'm. Yes. I was I was trying to. I watched the scene the other day of that, uh, of that scene again, and I wonder if they retook it or did she just do it on the set? I would love to ask well, her. Well, but... my, my understanding was what I saw her say in an interview wasn't it, that it was improvised in that moment, but that her and Jared were kind of joking around in between takes and they came up okay. with that and then decided to use it in that hmm. moment. Cool. That is uh, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, Jakey. How are you? Hi, buddy. No, don't hold up the I quit mug. Well, you are able to see the I Quit mug if you're watching us on it's YouTube. It's for Kevin because Kevin hasn't seen it yet. Kevin has not oh, seen it yet. I, I, I'm looking at it now. I'm holding a real blend mug oh, for a show I'm that I haven't quit from. Because he doesn't quit. I'm going to very briefly uh, <laughs> shout out a very close friend of the show, uh, Arthur Mingo, who is directing his first film now at this Arthur, point. Arthur! Who denied us? Media. Who denied us an interview request? Oh, he, he, said, really? he said national outlets only. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> uh, and worked. Hey, we're international, baby. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, worked a real blend mug into one of his shots, and I think that that's his. That's hey, fantastic. that's awesome. Yeah, that really, really is cool. awesome. Uh, so, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, make sure you go down, and hit subscribe, turn on your notifications. If you're listening to us in audio form, go to youtube.com/backslash Real Blend Podcast, uh, and we are over five thousand 
subscriber. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, have you signed up for Real Blend Premium? So the premium episode, every, a lot of the reviews that we get from people now are like, I really love the premium show. And that's been a ton of fun to see people reacting to that one because it not only is it ad free, you get an ad free version of the show. Uh, you get an extra episode on Mondays and a newsletter from myself. Um, but it's just, it's a looser feel. It's got a little more casual vibe to it. We play some games. Um, you mentioned like, oh, when we have drinks together, I would almost equate it to like, if you were to hang out with us, like yeah. grabbing a drink at a bar, that's 100%. kind of, that's sort of what the premium episode. Yeah, blenders like, who have been to like. meetups will probably say that the the real blend premium oh, that's a good way of putting is it, like yeah. a meetup energy. Yeah. I can't wait for the meetup we're going to do in eight episodes. Are we going to do that stop. meetup in eight episodes? No, stop, stop. He's say saying, he's saying th- you're going to get people yelling at me when you're just making stuff up. I tell you what, oh, if anyone's 200? in Chicago in eight episodes, Jake will make time to come by and say hi to every single one of you. <laughs> no, no, Jake's going to tweet his address out and yes. he'll, do yeah. the, he'll do the meetup tweet at his address. place. All you got to do is look at my Twitter and you can tell <laughs> where I live Very and tweet my address out. I've discussed this problem with you before. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be murdered one day. Small warning too, if you do, uh, do decide to spend the night, you do not get sheets or blanket. So, uh, right. You might want to That's bring not it true. That's not Pack true. Them. You don't get you. <laughs> Fair. Uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, we will have a bonus episode that is up on all of our normal channels. And it is Johannes Roberts, uh, who stopped by for a very, very nerdy chat uh, about the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, that was so great. And his new film, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, he's a super fan of that game. He brought a lot of great detail to that movie. Uh, I was thrilled that Jake was there because Jake grew up on those games and played them often. And so uh, I, it made I feel me... like he, whenever we asked him about Nemesis, he sort of had this moment where it kind of felt like he was like, oh, these guys know what they're talking about. Yes, we asked him when we were going to bring Nemesis in. You knew what you were talking about, which was really good. It's a, it's a collective effort. <laughs> I was like, I zombies? Mug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's get to the weekly poll. Um, we're getting to the Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, it's Black Friday while you're listening to this episode. So uh, if you're going out to shop, please be safe. Uh, if you find a PS5, please direct message me. Or if you find an Xbox, a uh, new Xbox, please direct message me. I will buy one of those. I will buy it. Supply chain? I will buy it. Believe me. Yes. I, I don't know, I'm trying I don't know how I feel about you guys using the, uh, using the listeners to yeah. buy you guys. <laughs> to <laughs> no, find no, no. I'll, listen, I'll pay for it. Just help me, help me find Who's it. to say that one of our listeners doesn't work at PlayStation and just That'd has or works at Microsoft and if has Xboxes? If you want to send Xboxes. us all free PlayStation 5s, I will happily send you the this address. This is not an ad by any way, shape, or form. <laughs> we are not sponsored by either of these We'd have a much better consoles. show of PlayStation sponsored our show. I just need, I just need a, a foot in the door, for God's sakes. Uh, so You're uh, Sean O'Connell! Have, that doesn't get you very far at the local Walmart. Uh, listeners in the U.S., we asked, do you traditionally go to the theater on Thanksgiving weekend? It is usually a very big uh, going to the movies type uh, holiday. Everybody eats the, the bulk of the day. And then in the evening, either you're sitting down for football. Football's kind of taken over Thanksgiving now, too, because they put on yeah. an evening game. But it used to be that people would ha- head out to the theaters. And now, because we are, while not quite out of uh, COVID, uh, the theaters are brimming with new titles. We have Ghostbusters Afterlife, No Time to Die is still playing, uh, Dune is still in theaters, Eternals is in theaters. So you have plenty of options. Encanto, uh, the Disney movie is coming House to theaters. House of Gucci. House of Gucci will be there. So you have plenty of options. So we asked, um, oh, if you if you go to Thanksgiving for, if you go to the theaters for Thanksgiving holiday and the choices were, uh, always have, no, and if there's something good little cushion so uh jakey where do you think the the peoples went 
in this week's the, the weekly peoples. poll. Um, I think the peoples win if there's something good. Uh, they did. They just marginally nudged out no. Uh, 47% for if there's something good and 44% for, uh, for no. Only 10% came back with always have. And I feel the number I'm paying attention to this week is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, because I think it's going to hold very well. I, I do too. Um, I think that the 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 diehard people who are really wanted to go see it went out opening weekend. Uh, It'll have a good afterlife, you think? It uh, will have a good afterlife for sure. Okay. <laughs> yes, good. for sure. Um, but that's the movie two. <laughs> where families are going to look at the board and say, like, what do I want to go see? You know, and is it is it House of Gucci? Is it a, a Marvel movie that's not getting a ton of buzz? Or are they going to go see something that's tried and true and uh, and and diving into their thing? So yeah. That's my guess. That's my guess. I, on a personal note, um, my answer to that question would have been no, uh, because I'm I was always a Christmas Day moviegoer. Okay. So like so like for me, Thanksgiving was like eating and just feeling tired and chilling with your family. But like Christmas Day, that was my like my favorite day to go to the movies. Like I remember like we'd get up and you know open presents because so many films open christmas day like yeah. so many remember yeah. that's like it was a huge opening day so like that's the holiday that i nowadays just because of the business that we're in I was and we've seen and everything luckily <laughs> so we, I mean, luckily right or but, we have but, it on dvd sitting in our yeah. homes but as a kid christmas oh, christmas was brats. the one that i went to well that's sure. a weird thing about our jobs though is that the the thing that people do to escape their work is our work. Right, right. So the idea of going to a theater on a day when I don't have to is tough. That's yeah. hard. Like, that's what I... Because I would vote no also. I don't think I've ever gone to the theaters on a Thanksgiving yeah. holiday. And it's because, like you said, we've seen almost everything that's coming out. And I wouldn't want to fight the crowds. Why do I want to yeah. fight crowds on things? Like, yeah, and I just... Dude, and this is just a personal note. I was just driving home from work and, like... It, before we did the podcast and it's normally like a 25 minute drive it took me 50 minutes to get home Ooh. and i'm like people are out man i do not yeah. want to be out on chris on thanksgiving day i mean maybe it'll be lighter but people are oh. people the roads are crazy again they are this is a really good time for me to bring up michelle comes over to me and shows me her phone she says i know how much you're going to appreciate this and it was a news report saying that the weather could be really horrible on on wednesday when everybody's traveling it could oh, lead to, to delays. And I don't know if, if if you've been listening long enough, then you know that one of my traditions <laughs> the evening before Thanksgiving, uh, because we'd never travel. We don't want to leave travel during the holidays. We did it once. It was a total nightmare. <laughs> I decided in that moment we will never, ever do it again. And we've lived up to that promise. We'd never leave for the holidays. So um, Jake says this is the oldest man thing in the world to do. But I pour myself several uh, Captain Morgan and Cokes and I watch... Um, Primarily, I watch planes, trains, and automobiles, but I'm also paying attention to the Weather Channel uh, for these live look-ins at the airport, so I can I just, see the I faces. I just picture you on on a front porch in a rocking chair with like an old square black and white TV, where you know you yeah. have to change the channels, like click, yeah. click, 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 and you're just changing to the old, and you're just in your rocking chair with your with your rum and coke. Yep, yep. Spitting into a can for some reason. Sean doesn't smoke, but for some reason it smells like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> or a cigars. Cigar. At least yeah, a yeah. cigar. Yeah. Give me some credit, By the way, so. can we just please, I mean, I know this is, this is, this is not news, but Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is an absolute masterpiece. Oh, it's one of the funniest I'm, I'm movies classic, of all yeah. time. Yes. It's perfect. Like when yeah. they cut to the shivering. 
<laughs> and the different shivering. That like, might be a like, dog. Is that a dog reaction that Sean actually likes? Uh, <laughs> yes, without a doubt, that is yeah. that 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 movie has one of the, I think one of the funniest lines ever written is when they're driving on the wrong side of the road on the highway. And the people roll down their window and say, you're going the wrong way. And John Candy looks at Steve Martin and goes, how do they know where we're going? It's such a great reaction. I, I think that and Blues Brothers are like two of the oh, greatest God. comedies of all yes. time. Yeah. yeah. Sean, uh, just by nature of, of the, the crazy lives that we lead, this is a legitimate question. Uh, did you ever meet John Candy? No, I never did. I never got a chance to. I remember um, the day but, he passed away. I did Steve Martin. I, I know I interviewed Steve Martin, and I forget yeah. for which movie. It was a while ago. Uh, I got Steve Martin. It was probably for the same movie you did. It was, was it the um, Bird movie? Yeah, it was him, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson all together. Yes, I was at that. It was, guy. um, the heck was the name of that movie? Hmm. The Big that Three Amigos? The Three Amigos? No. Yeah, that's exactly down, right. Yeah, that, that's That'd a great fantastic. movie, though. It's a terrific movie. Yeah, is that, who's that? Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Martin Short, yeah, Martin, Martin Short, Short and Steve Martin. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, go, go revisit, revisit that, that one if you haven't seen that in a really long time. All right, yeah. listen, we're we're putting off the inevitable. Uh, we have yeah. a we have a classic conversation. Um, someone put up on on social media recently that the show has been on a, a bit of a run. And uh, I can't deny that because we've had some incredible, incredible guests come on by, uh, starting with Denis, leading into Hans Zimmer, leading into the Reitmans. Um, and so, you know, we joke uh, that, you know, who's going to come by next sort of thing. Um, and, and this one is this one is pretty special. Uh, this is Sir Ridley Scott, a director of too many classic films to mention uh, before we get to this. And he's primarily this is for House of Gucci, but we get into a little bit of The Last Duel we talk a bit about just the film industry in general. Um, so, uh, without further ado, <laughs> Sir Ridley Scott on the Roblin Podcast. Buckle up. I was interviewing Adam Driver the other day, and one of the things I asked him was about the difference between performing in a film or versus on stage, because he did an amazing Broadway show called Burn This. And he said, to be honest with you, working with, with Ridley was interesting because he runs four to six cameras at once. So you kind of don't know where the frame is or where the camera is. So it kind of plays like a play. Can you talk about how you and Walski design or set up how you're going to position the four to six cameras and then how you ultimately know what the shot's going to be? Do you know then? Uh, well, there's two things. I was a great operator. Uh, I, I personally probably did two and a half thousand commercials and major commercials such as Steve Jobs' announcement for his Apple computer. That was me. But I operate on that. That's 1984. So wow. then I get a movie to do. Well, I did a movie before that. The Duelist. I was the only operator. And then Alien. I'm the operator. I'm carrying a 65-pound pig running down the corridor pursuing fucking Sigourney Weaver who thinks she's like an athlete, and I'm trying to keep up with that. So, you know, I know lens is inside out, but also because my background as a designer, and I'm a good designer, I actually would have been a pretty good architect. And so I adore design, and therefore I can foresee the geometry that will be in each scene from a camera operator's point of view, and the fact as a designer, the set point of view, but more even importantly, I got a quickie at BBC in London before I decided to go on the route of commercial advertising, where I was doing 
six camera live plays live. Oh wow! So I was I was seeing the movement of the camera, so I was seeing the geometry. You better plan it before you get there because you're live and you can fuck up. Uh, Very true. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so building on that briefly, uh, Mr. Driver told me that the the sex scene between he and Lady Gaga in the trailer, um, the office trailer early on in the film. That's he, a good one. He thought that was the only time that you actually went handheld. Um, and I wanted to see if that was true. And if it was, why you did in that moment? Well, I did. The, uh, Alien is entirely handheld. And even I would keep the camera moving like this when they're talking, because when you get a camera movement, it makes people uneasy. Yeah. And Alien was, uh, I was applying all the old rule book, but fuck me at work. So I was actually e easing like this all the time. And the editor said, you kept moving. I said, I'm doing it deliberately, wanker. So that's <laughs> that was that. <laughs> but um, in the sex scene, I didn't want it. I didn't plan it to run so long. I think it's quite a long time. But what I suddenly saw in the scene, because these two are fearless and formidable, mm -hmm. I suddenly saw it's funny. And so that's why we put in Puccini's opera over it, because she said to me at the beginning, what do you want this to be? I said, I want you to fuck him like a man. She said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she did <laughs> All right. but then going from that to you glide across the church music without knowing it's George Michael incoming right 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 so yes. that, that's a great moment where you're going from the serious sex that will definitely bond the marriage to church and oh my god as you come to Adam you've got George Michael clicking in you got to have faith so I think when I use music, I shoot the scene with music in mind, certainly. Uh, oh, this kind of movie, you shoot it with needle drops. And mm. the, the great thing about George Michael is a fucking brilliant, brilliant uh, producer and songwriter. And so I thought that was a great marriage of op opera, light opera with, I think the opera is quite a light opera, to George Michael was a perfect union. <laughs> including sex on the desk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great scene. Love it. Uh, I'm going to make quite a bit of a, of a leap, and I want to talk about the, cost the costume design of this film because, you know, your costume design in all of your films have been so influential from Alien to Blade Runner to Gladiator, obviously with this film. I just thinking about your career, your filmography, I'm curious just what costume design does for you as a storyteller. Uh, well... Whatever you're doing, whether you're doing a eight, you know, Kingdom of Heaven, which is 12th century, or doing uh, Gucci, or doing Blade Runner, it's got a smell of the period. Everything has to smell of the period, and so I tend to climb right into everything. I'm, I, I think I said to a previous, previously that the they said which filmmakers do you. Um, uh, you know, impress you. And I said, well, I have to go all the way back to uh, Orson Welles to, uh, you know, when you think he did that film, I think he was 19 or 20. I mean, it's shocking. But then even his evolution to the Magnificent Ambersons, and then he became the big, the biggest problem in his life was himself because he did not, he had a real battle of, 
of commerce against art because he was co quite seriously an artist, okay? So I wanted to be like that, but I didn't want to actually create a, 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 what he created for himself of Hollywood. That does, that's a negative. That just doesn't work. There's so much, today films cost so much money that you're in partnership with the investor of the studio. Because, and you have to be, you ought to be, and you should listen to what they've got to say. So, you know, it, did that answer the question or did I deviate? deviate? No, no, I, I'm no. just sort of, you know, just, yeah, just, just. We think idea. Yates is brilliant. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, Mr. Scott, uh, one of the things that I, I find really interesting is this. So uh, we've been doing this podcast now for about four years, and we've been lucky enough to have amazing filmmakers like yourself on the show. And one of the filmmakers that's been on the show a few times now is, is Tarantino. And one of the things that he's always said, and obviously this has been in the news everywhere, is that he wants to retire after 10 films. And this Bullshit. idea... Bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's my question. So, so my, my, and the idea being that the older you get, maybe the lesser quality. And then, but my, respectfully... You're 83 years old and you made two of the best films I've seen this year with The Last Duel and this. And we were looking at your filmography and this, you know, we were counting the movies. If you had stopped at 10, it would have been G.I. Jane. And I believe your 11th was Gladiator. So I'm just interested to know your thoughts on Tarantino's thoughts, because I understand where he's coming from. I get it because I've seen filmmakers like fall off later on in life. But I mean, you are an example of someone who has continued to be amazing. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I've done 19 films since Gladiator. <laughs> so wow. I, I, these are the last two. And I'm, I'm already knee deep right now with Joaquin doing his makeup and his hair and his wardrobe for Napoleon. <laughs> and I start with Jodie next. Jodie Comer is going to be Josephine. Um, as long as you have, you know, I think one thing is tricky. When you're a writer-director, which Tarantino is, Mm. It's oddly enough hard harder work because mm. you have to think of the material. What you, what am I going to do? Am I really want to spend ten months writing a screenplay, then get another ten months getting it going? Um, my answer to that is definitely not for me. I need I need mm. and because I can now pretty well pretty well attract get more or less certainly a good writer to help me with uh, an idea that I've got or, or a thing or a book that I've got. And so that goes hand in hand with, I need to turn, I need to work. I can't sit for 18 months as a gap between two movies. I tend to have no gap as I'm posting on one, I'm already prepping on the next. Wow. Wow. Well, wow. you know, if you know actually what you're doing, it's, uh, it's not that difficult. I mean, it, for most people, it would be. I mean, you were you, you, you you making, like, you're on a master level, my friend. I mean, I really You've got to embrace stress. Mm. You, you have to embrace stress. You can't, you got to put stress in its place and don't stew. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well, I'm glad you made Gladiator because I still have my ticket from when I saw it as a kid. So I just want to say thank you. I'm glad you didn't stop at 10. Thank you for not stopping at 10. <laughs> um, so I look at uh, the character of uh, Paolo Gucci, and I, I don't see Jared Leto at all. And um, so I wanted to get your 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 take on when you're casting a character, especially a character who's based on somebody for uh, who exists in real life. 
uh, finding an actor who looks like the person versus turning it over to an incredibly handsome actor and telling him they have to wear, you know, prosthetics and, and makeup to make the character work. Well, he he chased me. Okay. He said, hey, I know you're going to do this and I know it's going to be interesting. I want to do one of two parts. Of course, I want to play Paolo Gucci, but I think you probably already got that. He said, my alternative would, sorry, would be Maurizio. He said, but and I know you probably cast that. What I want to do is play Paolo. And I went, you know, and then I I thought, why not? Because you know, he's at his best when he, he likes to hide w- behind some makeup. Mm-hmm. And I think he finds the character, finds the universe of what he's who and what he's playing within how they will look. So he he can look at himself in the mirror and say, I am this person. Mm. And he literally evolves and buries himself in that character. Dallas that Buyers say, Club, sure. He's not, nah, he's not a pain in the ass on the day where his, the methodology is getting in the way or getting between us at all. He is an inordinately smashing guy, great guy, <laughs> and but will re- resolutely turn up at 4 o'clock in the morning, get the makeup out, be ready at 9. Fantastic. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Um, you know, because you've directed so many classics, just like just about every year is the anniversary of something. I know last year was the 20th anniversary of Gladiator. This year is the 30th of Thelma and Louise. Next year is the 40th of Blade Runner. I'm sort of curious, as a, as a filmmaker, do anniversaries ever give you a moment to pause and reflect on a movie, or do they just happen far too often for you to care much about them? No, you know what's interesting? Now, with the super high quality of the the platforms... Um, I was beaten up, pretty well beaten up on on for the Duelist and and Blade Runner and uh, by the critics. And uh, the Duelist mm. was said uh, it's too beautiful, it's too pretty. What are two Americans playing the czars for? Da 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 da. da. And I got a prize at Cannes for it. <laughs> and the um, and the studio made seven prints here. And so I said to my producer then David Putnam. I said, is that normal? He said, no, it's not normal. They clearly don't want to really do, have much to do with it. Today, I can click on, I, the other day, out of curiosity, I clicked on and I watched The Duelist uh-huh. on a platform, I think Netflix. Fuck me, it looks better than when I shot it. <laughs> <laughs> it is spectacular. And it's now classed as a five-star masterpiece thing. What the fuck happened, right? <laughs> and then uh, Pauline Kale crucified me for uh, Blade Runner in a four-page article for the New Yorker, which is a pretty classy piece of media. And I was so shocked that it was so personal. She killed me in four pages. So what I did is I framed the four pages. It's been in my office ever since as a reminder, the only person that matters when you walk away from a movie as to who thinks what about it is you. Oh, yes. Mm. That's right. Wow. Uh, Mr. Scott, one of the things that I found interesting in this film was, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's three moments where you go to black and white. 
Um, one of them in particular is when you when they leave the church after the wedding. Another one's later on where, where Adam's in a photo shoot. And I was curious about the, the intention as a filmmaker to go black and white in those moments, what you meant to do as a director, because I thought those it was an immersion thing for me. It, it brought me in. But I'm wondering what you where, where your head was at in terms of that. Well, one of my favorite photographers who shifted, changed gear. I want to be a fashion photographer when I kick that's the Royal College. So I had a very good portfolio of good stuff. I had a good, I've got a good eye. And, uh, and they were all big black and white 2016, which I love going to the darkroom and printing and doing my thing. Um, uh, the, the great photographer shortly following my arrival in New York, then be 1963, 62, 63, would be William Klein. William Klein, look him up. He obviously don't know who that is. William Klein was all black and white, probably on a, on a small Leica and a, probably a Raleigh, but it would be the same time as, you know, there's some grace of that moment as well. There's, there's Henry Wolf, there's, but Klein for me, he did a book on New York. He did a book on Tokyo and a book on Rome and they all became relevant. So I kind of use them as cross-reference for Janty and I for wardrobe and how people looked. Oh, so that's, and then the black, so you go into those moments specifically because of that yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, he was so, he did beautiful women in kind of marvelous couturier dresses walking down the meat market in 1961 <laughs> with guy, guys carrying sides of beef. Um, <laughs> it was that street and gnarly, he brought fashion onto the street, which I thought was brilliant. That's really mm-hmm. smart. Cool. Um, you know, you hear a lot of rumors and, and casting and different things. And I thought I'd read and I wasn't sure how accurate this was. Was Robert De Niro almost part of uh, Gucci? Yeah, I mean, I talked to Bob and, and I know I've met him, of course, but I never worked with him. And uh, I would have liked Bobby to have done something. But hey. How badly off can you be with Al Pacino? No, you're doing just fine with Pacino, especially because I saw so many parallels to Michael Corleone in Maurizio's uh, story coming up. Yeah. Um, but but the reason I ask is because you have two of the best ensembles back to back between Last Duel mm. and House of Gucci. And I honestly mm. believe that if House of Gucci doesn't win the SAG award, it's ridiculous because everybody's firing on all cylinders. But I wanted to know if you've seen the idea or the impact of of a movie star change um, from the days when you were working with, you know, R- Russell Crowe and going back to Harrison Ford to nowadays where you have so many different stars populating an ensemble uh, in order to lure people out to the theaters. I think it's to make. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing about having to do a movie that's going to rely totally on visual effects it's really boring because you've got to turn up every day. You've got to be there and you've got to stand against a blue screen and act the, your heart out with somebody saying, the aliens are coming. You know, <laughs> I mean, shit like that. I don't know how they, I couldn't do it, even for money. Mm. I've <laughs> turned on some big fees to persuade me to do something. And I guess that's why I'm still here. I cannot do it. I have to be passionate about what I'm going to do. I can't ever turn up to do the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a danger in the the best ones doing that. I just hope they're making a lot of money. Yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, you know, and, you are... and do they really need more? Yeah. 
True. <laughs> uh, you're, you are probably, I have to say, the only director who, who honestly makes me perk up whenever I hear the words director's cut because they're, they're legitimate. Yeah. They're your vision. They're not some studio excuse to re-release a film. I'm sort of curious, are there going to be director's cuts for either uh, Gucci or Last Duel? You know, and the last time a director's cut for me was really relevant would be Kingdom of Heaven because oh, a masterpiece. Yeah, well, because I was actually um, I was so weary by the time I finished a big bastard time, and I had, then had to go through the agony and the ecstasy of the previews and everyone having their opinion about the Crusades and the infidels that we were and the the bad guys that the. The, uh, the Arab community was, and of course, it wasn't that way at all. It was in reverse. What we did, the Arab community, was unforgivable. So, mm. the and I think they've never forgotten that, frankly. That's still part of the D, their DNA. Um, but, yeah, you know, sorry, I drift off. What was your question? Oh, whether, whether the, there are going to be director's cuts of Gucci or The uh, Last Duel. Yeah, the big thing, historically, because it was historically pretty accurate, a very good writer called Bill Monahan, who was a good journalist. Mm-hmm. And he brought, we evolved this into what I always want to do a crusade thing. And he said, you know, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, we bring what we think is the truth to the general audience is great. But there's an interesting piece of history in here because the prince, the Catholic, Catholic, I hope it's Catholic prince of Jerusalem has leprosy. And so he has to wear a mask because he was not look honorable from about the age of 18. And so wore this mask, the silver mask. That was Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. And his sister was Evergreen. Mm-hmm. And his sister had a child. And they noticed one day that the child felt no pain when they found the child playing with a candle. He had his hand over the candle and there was soot in his hand and he didn't feel it, which can be the first signs of leprosy, which affects the nervous system. Hmm. So she, rather than her young child going through what she's seen her brother go through, uh, she euthanized him. And that whole sidetrack, you know, seeing the boys, seeing how important he was to her, her deciding what she must do, took about 17 minutes. And to my regret, I removed the 17 minutes because people are saying the film's long. Da, 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 why do you need this part? And that, how wrong they were. You can watch that version, which is available. Well, I, we, I think we all have it. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> yeah. Eva was so special. She was so great. Uh, but to Jake's question, or do you have a, uh, a Last Duel or Gucci director's cut at all, or are those um, the final? The, the, yeah, the, no, not really. I mean, what goes up tends to be the film. And, I, okay. you know, I'm pretty responsible. I, I know I'm not going to say it's got to be four hours like a moron. There's already <laughs> two and a half plus, which is long, but I think I'm very aware of where uh, what you've got is the bum ache factor. You've got to watch that audience is on getting out. Oh, Jesus, this is too long. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware, yep. I'm aware of that as well. So, but I think things do play better at home because you can pause it, get a beer, and come back. So <laughs> I, I I will probably do a director's cut, yeah, and not a, oh. a, a long cut. Yeah. Wow. But it won't be a director's cut; it'll be a long cut. Okay, fair enough. 
So, Mr. Scott, one of the things I find interesting is and we're going back to the conversation about you making films, multiple films at once. Um, you basically made Last Duel and Gucci within the same year, basically. I mean, it, it is in, incredible how you did this. And I, for our audience who doesn't maybe know the inner workings of like the actual business, can you give us a timeline because you have the same DP, Walski. You have Yates doing the costume design on both. You have the amazing Gregson Williams doing the score on both. I mean, it's incredible all the things you have together. But when did the first, when did one start? Did you finish one or or go back and do another one? What was the timeline for Gucci and Duel? Well, Matt Damon called me up saying, hey, you know, and we did Martian, so I haven't really called him since talking to Martian. Um, amazing And movie. he said, uh, You've done a film called The Duel once. Have you got another duel? Uh, but it's going to be quite different. But it is a period which is earlier than the, your, the period of your duel. Would you consider that atrocity? With you guys, with you and you know Ben, of course. So he said, well, we have the book. The book's a very slender book, but a very well itemized, chronicled version, translation direct from the trial documents and then the writer managed to organically adjust and tell the story of what actually happened with all its outrages, outrages. Mm. So uh, I think I had a script in six weeks and then they brought in Nicole Hoffenheim, that mm. set heifer, I can't pronounce it, to come in and, and certainly adjust and add to the, the, the female point of view. So I had a shooting script. I was shooting, I think, within about you know, 15 weeks. Well, the shoot itself wasn't grotesquely long. I think it was about 64 days, which I know people would take 90 to 120, but I, we don't do that. Hmm. And then I had to shoot it, uh, and I thought, I know France well, and so ironically, I ended up less than a kilometer from where, where I first the cavalry charged jewel on the duelist. Oh. And wow. so I was shooting in less than a kilometer. It's like really weird. Like 30 odd years later, I'm standing in the same and I can see the fucking field. So, uh, <laughs> and so we did six, five, six weeks there. Now we're coming to the end of the schedule and there's this monster evolving called COVID. Hmm. And we are running the film like an army. And we, even then we are doing masks and there was no, invention of injections at that point that was just prior to what's safe to get right and so we were running it by definition of being supremely cautious and got through that to six weeks in and then i had to do a natural financial break to then do the rest of it in ireland for tax rebate reasons mm -hmm. ireland gives a tax rebate and france's tax rebate is virtually minimal so I said, why don't we break? So we broke for two months. In the two months, I edited the last duel to where we got to. And, but also in that time, I started to overlap on the script that had come in for the next one. So I was thinking, this is going to be good. So we start, I overlap on my downtime, um, you know, edit, seeing the edits, but also preparing and thinking about the last uh, uh, Gucci. That's how it happened. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, so the only thing you got to watch is your publicity, like now, can tangle up with your prep. So I'm I'm right in prep on Napoleon right now. So we we worked it out. 
<clears throat> we appreciate you taking the time to work it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I want to jump back briefly to something that you were saying about how certain movies play better at home. You can pause them. You can go get a beer. Um, I don't know if you're being uh, cute about that because you have had two films that have been able to avoid the streaming conversation. Both of yeah. your films went right to theaters. Um, but you also talked about how you were able to watch Duelist and it looked amazing on streaming. How do you feel about potentially having one of your first one movies maybe going streaming? The bigger the films get, the bigger the screens get for domestic access. Because I think it's good if you can watch a, a screen not less than six feet across if you can. Mm. I mean, a six foot screen today costs what? 600000 or something? Sorry, $600? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people can afford the $600, particularly when once you have that, your entertainment is so cheap, it's frankly nearly free. If you moan about paying, was it seven dollars a month? Take a hike, right? It's cheaper <laughs> than water. You fucking tight bastard. So, <laughs> so like, give me a fucking break. Are you kidding me? So, um, to buy a license for television, buy a fucking license. Shut the fuck up, you know. But, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it's it's coming. And I think the theaters are going to have to do major facelifts and cleanups. And it's, and also the price of taking the family to a theater, you know, uh, uh, you had a couple of bags of popcorn, some Pepsi for the evening for the average person, it could be $200. Sure. Right. Exactly. And it's you, that, that don't fly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, and I understand why. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can see. Uh, Mr. Scott, we're going to cut you loose on this one because I think we're running out of time. But, you know, the, okay. the, the entire Gucci family, the whole movie, they're, they're so worried about their legacy and what their name means. I was wondering, as a director who's building a filmography, when people see the name Ridley Scott, it means something to them. Uh, if at any point in your career you started thinking about that, what the name Ridley Scott means and sort of the, the legacy of, of, of your own filmography. Uh, I try not to be tacky. I try to be honest as I can be. We we did tackle it with a, a great deal of respect because you know the a lot of the the family are certainly very much around. Patricia Gucci has actually just been out of prison now for about three years. Mm. Um, uh, but the film the the event was so publicized with many books, many articles uh, that frankly they it became public domain. So we felt less worried about, well, I felt less worried about tackling such a satire. To me, I see it as a bit of a satire because there's so many, there's so much, do I say bad behavior? There's so much suspect behavior within the, the, the evolution of the story that brought about the disaster. And the disaster was tragic. There's no question about that. And she did pay for killers. Mm-hmm. And Al, as, as Aldo did dodge tax evasion on the on a big level. You know, so in a funny kind of way, I saw it as a parallel to the Medici's or the Borgias. There's a kind of 21st century story here of a 15th century family that self-destructs. I thought that was interesting. 
Very much so. Wow. Uh, Mr. Scott, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. Uh, we can't wait for people to get a chance to see this film. Uh, and of course, go out and see Last Duel if they hadn't had a chance to see it yet. So thank you so yeah. much. Continued success. Hang on. We want to thank Sir Ridley Scott for stopping by the show and being a guest. <laughs> Still can't quite believe that we can say uh, Ridley Scott joined the show. Uh, and especially in a year where he delivered not one, but two truly excellent films uh, within the course of a couple of months at the age of 83. Uh, you know, Ridley, we talk a lot about filmmakers that I that we would love to have on the show and that, that would be good fits. Ridley never crossed my mind. So the idea that that happened is is pretty amazing to me, and I I would assume amazing to to each of you as well. I, I just it, have, a, yeah. have a question for you guys though. What what was it like to uh, to ask questions that he answered? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So if people want to go back and, and re-listen, you have to pay attention it to the fact that. It just must have been great. I did try didn't... and help you, by the you way. You did, and I appreciate <laughs> you for it. I was like, please yeah. answer Jake's question. <laughs> when I listened back to it this time, I specifically listened to it uh, to see, like, did he really answer any of our questions kind of thing? Um, and he does. Kevin and I, he got he went right to the answers for the things we asked. <laughs> Jake, well, not so Honestly, were, were my questions, and be honest with me, and we, this, this is a show where, like, were they per- poorly worded? Like, no, did they, they not were... make sense? Did they I like? Think so, dude, the you asked a straight up normal question: Are there directors' cuts of Last Duel and House of Gucci? Yeah, and <laughs> and, and then and then the, I mean, again, this is not where we love Sir Ridley Scott. This is not a negative thing, but it was just funny because like I had to be like, he also Can you answer Jake's question real quick. I think he suffers a little bit from he has so much material. Yeah. So oh, like yeah. when Kevin asked a question of just like. How do you set up all your cameras? He went back to shooting commercials. Like he was like, well, let me tell you why. The Steve Jobs commercial where he announces the uh, the first computer, I shot that. That was me. So, oh my like, God. I was like, so he what? has to start there and then build. So, and then he just gets lost. He got lost rambling in a few of, the, of his answers because he has so much information. Let me tell you, that was like, he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Yeah. Um, and as 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 we talk about in the interview, juggling two massive productions in yeah. one year, um, both very good films. Uh, and at the same time, like it just it, it is an astounding thing, like for him to casually drop that I was chasing Sigourney Weaver down a, the hallway and alien yeah. with a 60 pound rig or whatever. I mean, like right. the like those little lines, like those are the ones that like made me like geek out like it was just so casual like like dude you're mentioning like probably one of the most iconic films in the history or is the most one of the most iconic films of all time also he doesn't do a lot of press you know where do you see him doing press honestly so uh, yeah i mean i think we were very lucky to have him especially since kevin and i are millennials and apparently we're the reason that last (laughs) duel wait i'm not a millennial but his genre, <laughs> his, his genre crossing is brilliant though that oh yeah. That, yeah like there are not many filmmakers who can cross genres like like he can and it's right. it's pretty amazing um and uh props to sean uh because the tarantino question was originally just going to be about uh you know the idea of retiring after 10 films and sean was the one who found out that gladiator if he, when he because Sean counted him, he goes that would have been his eleventh. I mean that's crazy. That and then crazy. when he say he said he's made nineteen films since Gladiator. Since then, yes, <laughs> it's, like, exactly. it's just unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. Huh. That oh, was yeah. a really special interview. 
This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, Hawkeye season one. Uh, new Disney Plus show, new Marvel show. Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld. Uh, it is coming out. You, but by the time you're listening to this, you can go over to Disney Plus and you can watch the first two episodes. There are six total in the season, uh, and we'll get into this in greater detail when the whole season is played out. Because this, I feel like, is a difficult situation. In like, it's almost as if you were reviewing a movie having only seen the first uh, quarter of it necessarily. Um, but Jake, we can talk about like the tone of it and we, what we think about the approach of it so far. And I don't like it. <clears throat> you do like it? I don't like it. Oh, you don't like it. Uh, listen, I'm probably closer to you um, than I would be with most normal Marvel stuff where I kind of just devour it and I think it's fantastic. I thought it was slow. I, mean, I thought it was slow and I thought it felt a little cheap. Like I yeah. thought it felt like a... I described it to you as like an ABC, you know, yeah. Marvel show, like yeah. an Agents of Shield or something like that. Uh, and the trailers and I, look like that. Yeah, it's yeah. and so that's what it comes across as. And especially episode two to me was slower and more dull than yeah. episode one. And so he's it, in episode two more. Like episode one is kind of a, a is kind of a Haley Steinfeld focused. It's a lot of Kate Bishop. Yes, yeah, a lot of Kate Bishop. Yeah, and uh, there is a uh, I I did end up watching episode two. And there's a giant chunk, and you and I were t- sort of, I don't know if you were complaining about this, I would complain about this, there's a giant chunk where Hawkeye has to enter uh, a live-action role-playing tournament, yeah. LARP, if you're LARPing. familiar with that. Um, yeah. And it just, like, kind of diminishes the epic hero-ness of this character and the journey that this guy has gone on to the point where, like, we've seen him broken and beaten as Ronan in Endgame. Like they, I feel like they've gotten him to a fairly interesting place. Yep. Uh, for a character that can kind of pale in comparison to his co-stars, but but then to see him almost like reduced to a joke, live-action role-playing in Central Park, just sort of it made me feel like, what do, what are we doing here? But and there's a possibility that you can do that material and have it be funny, but that scene is not funny. It's not. It really just hangs there. Yeah. Like 
Is it meant to be that, like, oh, he's much better than these random-ass teenagers who are, like, of course he would be better at fighting than these random... Like, that's not, that's not, like, like funny or surprising in any way. Like, I would hope he... He's an Avenger. I would hope he would be better than these (laughs) kids who are with, you know, styrofoam swords and stuff in Central Park. No, I just... It didn't... Whenever I finished the first two, whenever I finished the first one, I never had that urge of like, God, I wish they just sent me the whole season. You know, like when, right, right, you right, know, right. all the other ones, when they sent us Loki, the first two of Loki, I was like, oh my God, like I'm just, I'm so ready for the next ones. And this sounds yeah. sort of like, oh, I'll get around to it. Now I'll say this. I do think Kate uh, Bishop is an interesting character. And I do think Haley Steinfeld is, is well cast in that character. And so this is why I, I'm afraid to sort of kick this, you know, as hard as we sure. are kind of, because if it picks up steam, you know, if it turns out that these first two episodes were just laying the groundwork for a lot of stuff that's going to be significant later, then we'll come back around and, and maybe. But but I will say the pacing of these two is not great. So, yeah. Sean, is there I have a, just a random question for you. Is there a place where, like, you would give your thoughts about the episodes after they after they come Jake, out? That's yeah, a, that's a terrific question. Um, I want to yes. know that, too. There's that's a, OK. There, we, sure. Of, <laughs> of course, totally Kevin, organic. I'm glad that. Thank you for asking. Uh, there's a website. Uh, One on question the, at a time at the press the conference. Please. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Kevin uh, from Fox 5 DC. Uh, Kevin, fine. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> and no follow ups. Please, no follow ups. We want to get to as many people as we can. Uh, there's a website on the Internet called YouTube. Uh, and uh, Cinema oh. Blend has a channel there. Uh, and on that channel, uh, Following each episode, I will have a uh, recap and my analysis. I've done them for the Disney Plus shows up to this point. I will continue to do them for Hawkeye. We did a Beast of One. Uh, that is the first two episodes combined, and that should be available right now too. You should do that for Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, I did do that for uh, Game of Thrones. You should and, do uh, all of Game of Thrones in like six weeks. I did that. Yes, I. Also oh, that's did that. what we did. <laughs> I also did that, and it was your poor editors. Horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> I got I got this because of that. No one can see it. Oh, oh, oh. An editor is no one. Um, we want to run through uh, some of the quick reviews and reactions to things that are opening this week that you guys can check out because um, it's a lot. Uh, Jake, you saw Holly Berry's boxing film yeah. Bruised. Bruised. That's her directorial debut. Yeah, I think? it's her directorial debut. Look, in terms of like the realm of boxing films, it's it's a fairly paint by numbers. It's not really anything. Um, story-wise that you've never seen before you you can probably once you start watching it you can kind of probably figure out what's going to happen that being Mm. said i really do think that halle berry has picked up a lot um working in front of the camera that she then took behind the camera i thought it was very assuredly directed confidently directed i thought it was well well made um and uh and and so i i really whenever it ended the first thing i thought was like oh i really hope that this is not one and done for her i'd love for to oh. see her get behind the camera again uh maybe with a, maybe a little more of an unconventional story um but i really do think that that she hasn't worked as long in the industry as she has and not picked up some lessons uh, yeah. along the way and i, I with really great I, filmmakers yeah, yeah i really uh, was impressed by what she did behind the camera and obviously you know she's fairly effortless as an actress in front of the camera. Like she, she, she dives into the role very well. Um, like I said, if 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 the if the boxing story itself were a little bit different, other than like, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know the story. Maybe I would be a little bit more enthusiastic. But it, I'm excited about her as a talent, as in terms of directing. I would okay. say. Okay. All right. Uh, Disney. That that's coming to Netflix. It's called Bruised. 
Uh, Encanto is a Disney musical, uh, animated musical that's coming to theaters and Disney Plus. Is that right? Or just I think theaters? it's. I think this is the first one that's theaters only. I, I'll oh. double check, but I, I'm pretty sure this one's theaters only. Okay. Um, none of neither of us have seen it. None of us have seen it, so we will have to move on from Encanto as Gabe looks that up, and we'll shift to Resident Evil. Yeah, it's only welcome, in theaters. Only in theaters. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Uh, welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, I'll go first. I, I I didn't love this movie because I didn't grow up on these games, um, and so to me it was kind of just a standard zombie film with characters who were mildly interesting. I really like the lead actress, uh, Kaya Scoladero. Um, and Skol... Help me out there. I'll no? look it up. I'll look Skol, it up. For... Scoladero? Scoladero? Stop trying. Skol... You're digging. <laughs> You've run... Your shovel is no longer long enough. She was from Crawl, uh, and she was also in the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean film. And here she's playing a Love character, Crawl. Claire, who is returning back to residency, uh, resident... Uh, to Raccoon City during the time of the zombie outbreak. Um, but listening to our interview with Johannes Roberts, uh, I found to appreciate the movie more because of the amount of work that he put into the details mm -hmm. to create some of the locations. Gabe, how do you pronounce it? Caia Scodelario. Thank you very much. Um, it is so, pronounced how it looks. So, Jakey, I'm going to throw it to you because you did grow up on the on the games and uh, really appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. I, lo I loved the games. Um, therefore, I really love the first two acts of this film. It's basically the first and the second game. The first game mostly is them going to this house. And then the second game, you know, gets a little bit out. But I think it involves a police station. Um, I, I, you know, I, my biggest complaint oftentimes whenever uh, filmmakers adapt a video game is that they decide that they want to change the story. And I go, look, if it's a good enough story to justify people wanting to turn it into a movie, just copy the story. Just like it's right there. Just copy it. Why would you change it? And as much as I re actually really do like um, the the first Resident Evil film with Mila Jovovich, like with, where they go into the hive, I think there's some Dude, really fun. It's a really fun movie. That the, I, the one of the most iconic scenes that I'll never forget seeing is the lasers ah, and the guy slicing yes. in pieces. But, that is like, great, but that's not yeah. that's not Resident no, Evil. Like that's I know, not, you know. Still, and so yeah. it was. And it, it's good. It's great in its own right. I love that movie. But it's not like it's not a Resident Evil movie. So. I have to. I have to add this here because I grew up on this movie, and we give Resident. I'm not taking credit away from Resident Evil, but that bit is directly from the 1997 film Cube. I don't know if anyone's seen yep. the movie Cube, but they yes. do that in Cube. Sure. And I love that Resident Evil pulled that, but I wanted to give some credit to Cube, which is an underrated no. horror film. He Continue is right, but, that's the, but the first time I saw it was Resident Evil. Sure, so sure, sure. That, it's yeah, a brilliant, yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. crazy horror bit. Crazy um, bit. Continue. So it was nice to see the Resident Evil that I loved and grew up with represented on the big screen and see yeah. these characters represented on the big <clears> screen. <throat> that being said... The film wildly goes off the rails, no pun intended, because there's a train sequence in the final act to the point where I just sort of went, ah, like, you're so close to sticking the landing and you just got stupid. Um, so it ended on unfor an unfortunate beat for me where I, I, I didn't walk out as jacked as I was about the two th by the two-thirds mark. Right. Um, it really, really went off the rails for me. In the it, just got, it just got ridiculous. Um, but uh, the first two-thirds, if you're a fan of the games at all, I th really think you're going to dig it. Okay. Uh, stay on Jake, who's the only one of us who's seen Licorice Pizza. Yeah. The new Paul Thomas Anderson film. Yeah. So look, I'm just going to touch on this briefly because I really want to hear what you guys think whenever you do see it. Um, look, I, I have to be honest with you. I don't think I've loved uh, a Paul Thomas Anderson film since around There Will Be Blood or The Master. 
Um, so it's been a few films since I can honestly say that I truly loved one of his movies. This is, uh, I think you could say, it's, it, this is Paul Thomas Anderson's hangout film. Um, it, the you know, in, in the sense that Tarantino had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But that world and with Tarantino and Hollywood, that world and those characters, I was much more interested in, with quote-unquote, hanging out in than I was this world and these characters. For me, this just meanders a little bit more. Um, I never, never once disliked it. I never would ever go as far as saying, like, I was never bored. Um, you know, obviously, like, Paul Thomas Anderson's not going to make a bad film. Like, he's an incredible filmmaker. And, and even, you know, for, like, his lesser films, which this was for me, I'm still engaged watching it. But I didn't buy I, I just I was never as engaged like I didn't want to I know a lot of people have said like oh I like I wanted that movie to go on for another three or four hours like everything mm-hmm. about how I feel about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Tarantino is how I think a lot of people are feeling about Licorice Pizza and that's great because I know how much I love Hollywood and if it, that works for you that's fantastic unfortunately it just didn't work for me I didn't want to keep existing in that world I didn't want to keep existing with these characters I didn't like I just sort of walked out. It is it is definitely um, for me bottom tier Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, but uh, as we were sort of joking, uh, I think I'm in the minority on that. So I really do hope people dig it more than I do. Your description of it reminds me of Inherent Vice, which is a movie that I know you guys both of you don't really love, um, and I was enamored with it. it I will always say during um, we got it during screener season uh, uh, when we're kind of inundated with awards movies that we have to try to catch up on, and I I kept popping out movies that i would give like 20 minutes to and i'd be like this isn't going to do anything and then i put inherent vice back in and revisit it because i just wanted to spend more time yeah. in that world and so I if honestly, licorice pizza yeah, creates something I like that really i walked out really thinking sean that you're i honestly really think that you're going to dig licorice pizza. that's interesting I, okay. i'm excited to see it because phantom thread might be my favorite pta film so like yeah, I, I, sure. and, and like and i know like i love boogie nights and magnolia and and the master but like phantom thread was it, I, it's just a masterpiece and so like I, i've been i've been loving what he's been doing later in his career so i'm like super excited and obviously it, it, he's a he's an a director who shoots on film and you know i've just always loved pta I, so. I can't figure out like i i my favorite pta is is early P, pta like boogie nights and, and yeah Magnolia. and obviously i'm a, i love there will be blood and i really 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 like the master do you but like I punch drunk because i've heard this oh, compared yeah, I, to love, punch I, love punch I love punch drunk punch drunk okay but I can't figure out what he's doing now that's keeping me from connecting with his movies lately. Mm-hmm. Like this is now what the third or fourth movie in a row that I think I've walked out going like. You don't like Phantom really... Thread? No, I like Phantom Thread, but like okay. I, oh. I, I, I haven't felt really. If we're talking like ecstatic over the moon, holy crap, bow down to this man, kind of love yeah, since yeah. there will be blood. Okay. See, and, Phantom and I don't Thread. know what he's doing for me. I don't know what he's doing that's that's causing that disconnect and i wish i could put my finger on it do you think do you think this is the sort of thing uh well how would you know where those film those films won't change but you will and like down the down the line you'll you'll revisit i I hope so i hope so i really do and and um and uh i I, and if anything that would be fascinating because then then that dives into the whole question of okay well what was it then and what is it now kind of thing how many times have you seen phantom thread twice the thing that worries me about Licorice Pizza is that, like, I was born in the '70s, but I didn't grow up in the '70s, and I I know it has a real '70s vibe to sure. it, so I I don't know if I'm going to dial into it that much. But hey, I mean, we, in that we, regard, we bought into the, the '60s thing. for yeah, Hollywood, like, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, for sure, and even like, uh, you know, it comes out this week too, but like Eight Bit Christmas on HBO Max. <laughs> 
it's it's set in the 80s like i wasn't born in the 80s but i still feel like this strange connection to it like i feel like i get it you know so i don't know i think it's yeah. possible if it's done right all right so let's dive into house of gucci uh which all three of us have seen and i uh, appear to be in the minority on it because i thought it was amazing uh and i think it's sitting at about 60 something percent on rotten tomatoes gabe could you actually look up where it is uh while we it was 65 percent when i looked earlier today I don't understand that one bit because I came out of uh, House of Gucci and I tweeted that I thought that ensemble, uh, I think I said should not. uh, Now, listen, it could be a challenge, but should win the SAG award because I honestly thought every performance in it was spectacular. Gabe, did you find where it's at? 67%. That is ridiculous. Um, Hey, certified fresh still, right? Is it too long? Maybe. Um, but that's, you know, I was wrapped up in the story. I was wrapped up in the characters. If I got to spend more time with Al Pacino and Jared Leto and whatever the hell they were doing, uh, I was fascinated by their choices. Uh, listen, it's big. It swings for the fences. Um, but within there, I thought it was a really interesting story about, uh, Maurizio Gucci, uh, played by Adam Driver, who doesn't want to be part of, like, he went to law school and tried to study law and get out of the fashion industry and not follow the footsteps of his family, whereas the other people who were very content to be in his family uh, and stay in that atmosphere and sort of um, fight for uh, stronger positions in the uh, in the hierarchy of Gucci, uh, I thought they were all fascinating. And it taught me, like, there's an element when it gets to a scene where they realize how much Gucci is being knocked off, like the cheap knockoffs. And I was like, oh God, that's right. That's a whole element of the fashion industry and handbags and shoes and things like that that I never even thought about, you know? And and to a certain extent, Adam Driver's like, yeah, but our name is still on it. And and Lady Gaga's like, yes, but it's on crap. Like you shouldn't have your Mm -hmm. name on. So I was I was so swept up in this world. And I think it's I think it's beautifully shot. I think all the performances across the board are really great. Um, and I would not be surprised if this movie made my top 10. Uh, you know, if it's in the bottom half, it's going to be in the bottom half. But that's it's flirting with making my top 10 because I was I was enamored with it. Um, Kev, where, where are you? I, I think I know you said it was a bit long, but. Yeah, I, I think it's a very good film. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not in great territory, but I'm in very good territory. Okay. Um, I, I think that the film could have been easily cut by 30 minutes. There's mm. there like there's a section in the middle um, I won't go into spoilers, but it deals with like skiing. I don't think that 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 needed to be in there. Just like that's the point where I kind of like started feeling the length of the movie. Sure. Um, but prior to that and then later in the third act, I was all in. Um, for me, the performances are better than the script mm-hmm. and they're better than uh, they're they're just outstanding. Um, I, I, I loved Jared Leto. I mean, like yeah. that performance is incredible i spent the entire time looking for jared leto i couldn't find him on screen it was like it was such a transformation not just from the prosthetics but just emotionally like Mm -hmm. he was paolo gucci no question um gaga is phenomenal driver's phenomenal one of pacino's best performances in years it's it's so like it's one of his best irons is awesome in the movie as well um and i i think there's so much to say about it that I loved. I mean, um, my biggest pr- complaint really is that there, it, it just, it, it really needed to be edited down. There was, I, I think that it really could have been a, t- it's a, what is it? Two hours and 40 or two thirty-five or whatever. Two forty, Yeah. And I have no problem with that. Like infinity wars, two thirty-five, and that movie flies by like that. Right. You know? And, and so like, and I'm not comparing infinity war to house of Gucci. I just mean that like runtime 
it depends on the material you have in that runtime, right? So I, you know, to me, the, the interesting, all the interesting scenes were with, with, with uh, Leto and um, uh, obviously Gaga. Um, um, and so to me, I, w- I was invested in learning that. Um, Walski's cinematography is incredible. Uh, Gregson Williams' score is fantastic. Um, you know, Ridley is, a, is brilliant at like balancing score and soundtrack really well. Uh, and that, one of the cool things about it, obviously, obviously the costume design, but, you know, he did Gucci and Duel in the same, basically in the same year, essentially. Uh, and it's the same DP, same composer, same costume designer. Costumer, yeah, it's just like they and I, I think Adam Driver said in our inter, in my interview that like the the day he wrapped on Duel, he went to go look at his Gucci costumes, um, which is just like such an interesting thing to think about. But um, so Driver, here's an interesting thing. I want to sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we we give Ridley a lot of credit for moving fast and transitioning from project to project should he maybe wait a month or two and process like could he have could he have found another edit and i mean i'm joking because of ridley and his multiple edits but could he if he if he stepped away from gucci for two two months and then went back to it would he have seen some of that fluff in the middle I don't know. I mean, like, and again, it's like it, it's 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 an interesting thing. And I mean, I think he, you know, like he said in the interview, he's always working. I mean, in, while we were talking to him, he was probably thinking about Gladiator Two and Napoleon, Napoleon. right? Like, yeah. like, like, like yeah. he was just like like he was literally working on those films and and stopped to talk to us for for thirty minutes, and then went back to work. Oh, by the um, way, I saw Joaquin Phoenix on a carpet somewhere, and I was like, what the hell? happened to Joaquin Phoenix, but I realize he's prepping for Napoleon. Napoleon. He's heavier. He's got that awful haircut. And I was like, oh my God, is he just letting you, himself go? Did he you was say, come his, on, come on, Joaquin. He was wearing his signature sweatshirt, the one that he wore to the Joker uh, press day. Um, <laughs> his dress up sweater. But no, but in, in general, um, it's a very good film. I, I do I do think The Last Duel is a better movie. Uh, the last duel, I believe, is similar length, and that movie to me never dragged. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, I just love the way that movie moved. But I mean, I'm nitpicking here. I, I really, really, really thought Gucci was a very good film. I, mm-hmm. I just, I'm just not in great territory. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think for sure, recommend seeing it. Um, just you know, just prepare for a little bit of a lengthy middle section. I mean, I mean. Sean, I know you love the film, but do you agree that the middle section was a little lengthy? Did you feel I felt um, it like th- there's I think that there's there's motivation for it. There's a reason why it has to be in there. Um, it's, sure. a, it's a part where Maurizio is pulling away from Patricia. And right. I think you have to feel her confusion by it. Right. Mm. Um, and so did he take too long to solidify it? Yeah, probably. Could he have gotten through it faster? But because, like you, I didn't know the story going into it. Um, I was never bored in that because Mm. I was curious about where it was going. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. Because there's another character who gets introduced in that moment. um, And I was kind of like, who is this now? Like, we're really late into the story. Who is this? And that's what happened in real life. So I get that they had to sort of cover it that way. This is hard to do without doing spoilers. Um, But I know exactly what you're saying. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, so, I, get, and, I get that. And, and I know we'll get to Jake. It's not that I was bored. It's just you felt you felt it. It's almost like, but feel and Jake, I promise I'm going to get to you in a second. But I, like the part of the reason why I haven't done a rewatch of Last Duel is because I don't know. Does this kind of feel like the interview, Jake? I don't know if that. <laughs> <laughs> in I don't fairness, know the... Jake did just review like five movies in a row. So <laughs> he did, <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if the three-act structure of Last Duel is going to keep me as engaged when I rewatch it a second time. Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, do uh, I want to go back and see that story told through multiple times again? Well, 
what you just said is fascinating. I would, is as much as I think Last Duel is a better movie, I would rather rewatch House of Gucci. Fair. I think Duel is just too. Duel is just too brutal. I mean, it's and it's just it's just too much. It's hard. It's so hard to watch. I I loved it, but it's so hard to watch. Jake, why did you? Why did you hate House of Gucci? No, actually, I think I, I'm right there with you, Sean, that I actually really love this movie. Um, I do. I mean, I don't think it necessarily needed to be trimmed. I think it's fair to say that, like, maybe the middle portion is maybe less interesting than the first and third acts. But I also do agree that they're necessary. Like, you do kind of have to have that. Um, yeah. Third act doesn't really make sense unless you have that. Um, but no, I thought it was big. I thought it was loud. I thought it was crazy uh it, you know it was you know it if um you know i i've often said that, that i really i'm a sucker for like like act like scene chewy actors yeah. you know oh, like there's a lot of that this movie like if you took a scene chewy moment and made a three-hour <laughs> movie out of it that's house of gucci it's like a scene chewy yeah. movie um and i i you know every point you made jonathan you and i i'm sort of in that same area where like this has got a really good shot probably not like top five or anything but it's got a really good shot at making uh, the back half of my top 10. I yeah. do also agree that Last Duel is a better film mm. and will likely be higher on my top 10 list. Uh, I think Last Duel is guaranteed spot on my top 10 list. But if you put both of them in front of me and said you got to watch one of them right now, I'd be like, oh, watch, I'd rather watch House of Gucci, to be honest. Because it's you know, more think, fun. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I think the disconnect yeah. is on Gucci? I think people went into Gucci thinking that because it was, of the story that it tells, that it's a drama. And in, and to me, it's not. To me, it's a comedy. Like well, it's like I keep seeing the word campy being used, and I feel yeah. like that's a little. I feel like that's a little almost like not the right word for it. Mm-hmm. And like it's it, it's. I don't know. Do you think it's campy? I don't think it's campy. It's like no. I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was just no. like it had, it had a fun tone to it. Like Jared Leto is hilarious. Like yeah. that character is so funny. Yep. I mean, and and like and it, but at the same time, it's also heartbreaking kind of because the guy like has his own dreams and like there's a there's this phenomenal scene which I, I won't go I won't go into the details about with Leto and Irons um that I think is like, one of the best scenes in the whole film like yeah. just like that yeah. scene like and, and it, it, it there's so many great scenes and like it's definitely worth seeing it's it, it's it, it's just a little just a little lengthy that's all expect something different you're going to get something different out of this. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, which you normally do from Ridley Scott over the course of his career, which is exactly why we decided to play Ridley Scott Blend uh, oh. this week in honor of the fact that we have Sir Ridley on the show. So, Kev, why don't we start off with you? Where are you going with uh, your favorite Ridley Scott film? So this this was a hard one for me um, because the the... I remember we're playing favorite, not best here. So obviously the alien and, you know, alien and, you know, Blade Runner, those, those films are, are, are better than the movie that I'm about to mention. But if I'm looking at his filmography, my favorite movie he's ever done is Matchstick Men. Oh, Matchstick Men. Love it. I love Nick Cage. Um, As somebody who has OCD, I, I, I appreciated like just the way it was portrayed in the character. Um, I also just really thought that that film found such an interesting tone. Like it was like, and Sam Rockwell, like what what was one of the greatest? He's one of the greatest actors working today. I mean, I For sure. love him so much. God, you make me uh, want to like turn on that movie tonight. Oh I'm, I'm going to watch it tonight. I, I have oh, to watch Kevin, it tonight. What a great, what a great pick. I got to watch it tonight. I, and so I have to give credit to my father-in-law, by the way, because Lauren's dad, um, 
like he's obsessed with that movie. And I, I, I saw it in theaters and, you know, I love the movie and I remember I remember digging it. Yeah, see, Jake has the Blu-ray. Um, and I, I just I remember loving the film, but I've revisited it now the, more. The yeah, old snap cases. Click, yeah. The old, old clicky snap. Oh, shit. <laughs> the disc fell out. Um, but I've revisited that movie a lot more now because of Lauren's dad. Okay. And it's I just I almost forgot it was a Ridley Scott movie. To be honest with you, I, I, I you can think about his collection of 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 genres that he's been in. Sure, like it's Matchstick Men. Like it's like that's a Ridley Scott movie. So I, I different. Just, I, oh, you forget no. it's Ridley Scott. Oh, oh no. full screen. Ooh, oh no! no. Yeah, you made a bad. You made a bad decision there, oh, my no. friends. I like how that's on the top, like it's a feature. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Jake, can you? I'm sorry. Jake, Jake, break that disc right now. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> I think he just did. <laughs> um, Jake, I guarantee by the end of this show, Kevin will rent you an iTunes version. Yeah, I will. No, but they, it's a phenomenal film, uh, and I think uh, I love Nicolas Cage, obviously, and it's it's a great role for him. Um, I, and I also Where's just Alison Lohman. I know. But I, I, it's a great question. That relationship that he has with his daughter, it, that whole. It's just, it's awesome. All right. So part of the reason why I, I didn't choose Matchstick Men is that I've only seen it the one time. And I just, I remember Ugh. adoring it. Um, and then I just have not gone back to see it again. So I couldn't pick it, but you're right. It is phenomenal. And you have abs- absolutely convinced me that we're watching Matchstick Men I kind of want to watch it tonight too. I mean, I, I think I saw to. it last, last time I saw it was like a year ago at my father-in-law's house. And I was like, I was just sitting there going... Damn, I forgot how good this was. Terrific, terrific choice. Um, so instead, I had to go with Blade Runner. I had to go with Blade Runner because um, it is, it was so ahead of its time, um, and it plunged you into a future that's that so many people have copied uh, up to this point. It's the kind of movie that only gets better as we, you know, as as we age, as society ages. Like it's 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 astounding to me that he made that movie in 1982. Um, does it suffer a little bit from production values because it's the early 1980s? Yes and no. Like, it still looks like it was made, uh, well ahead of its time. Um, I'm going to pick the final cut of it because I think that that that's the time he finally got back in and, and, and got it right necessarily, but it's a terrific Harrison Ford performance. It's the kind of Harrison Ford performance that makes the most out of the fact that he's a curmudgeon. You know, like he's extremely charming uh, and he's without a doubt uh, an A-list leading man, but he's also a curmudgeon. Uh, That's just part of his personality. And that's Deckard. Uh, I mean, that's exactly who he is. And so but but it also like the best science fiction asks uh, a very complicated question uh, and then goes to really deep lengths to explore it um, and, and keeps you guessing the entire time of in Blade Runner's case, it's who, who's human and who isn't kind of thing. Uh, I could go back and rewatch Blade Runner anytime. I know it's absolutely one of his classics, but looking back over it, the, the other one I might have gone with is The Martian. Um, the Martian is that... a little bit too much of a crowd pleaser, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh. Um, and so I had to go with, I went with Blade Runner. So, Jakey, but... where'd you, where'd you Wait, go? I have a question. Is this, yeah. is this, uh, I don't know if this is going to, this is going to upset people. I, as much as I love Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, I actually prefer 2049. I don't think that's is that too... is that is that bad wow. to say? I mean, no, I, I, I think they're heard... different films. I just, but I would rather pop on 2049 than that's interesting. I, I th- yeah, I think it's I think 2049 to Blade Runner is what Doctor Sleep is to The Shining. Is that is that they're sure. necessary? Okay, 
which okay. is but 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 I would I lo- I don't know I, I as much as I love Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, no question, it's a, a masterpiece and a phenomenal film. I just enjoy. I think I think. What didn't? Da- yeah, yeah. Daenerys doesn't agree with me at all. She's no. like, Kevin, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. But, but no, but but Denis did a hell of a job in 2049. Oh, he did. So. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. So yeah. All right, Jakey, where are you at? Uh, I went with Alien. Um, okay. I think I've probably watched Alien at least twice a year, maybe since I was eight years old. Um, I yeah. think it is. It's probably one of the, that. Jaws and Jurassic Park are probably the movies I've seen the most in my lifetime. Maybe Empire Strikes Back. Um, I think it's such a, a beautiful airtight script of mm. one horror domino knocking over another horror domino. Um, you know, this idea of, oh, we're getting the distress call and we get the distress call and wait, there's a ship and we go into the ship and oh, well, there's some eggs and the eggs, you know, um, I think the xenomorph is quite possibly the most perfectly and beautifully constructed monster in movie history. Wow. The idea of, it sounds so simple and like, of course these days but the idea of you have a monster on a ship in space with acid blood which removes your ability to shoot it because Mm. if it bleeds it burns a hole a hole in your hole Mm. and you all die like that's beautiful perfect airtight screenwriting Mm. um it takes a page out of the book of jaws and that you don't really see the xenomorph in in its entirety into the end uh, the some of the quick shots of it leading up to those moments are brilliant. I love that Ripley is almost a secondary character throughout most of it. And if you don't know any better and you don't know who that character is and you don't know who Sigourney Weaver is, you, you're almost kind of surprised that she ends up being the final girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just everything about that film is just pitch perfect. Like every moment, there's not a ounce of fat on it i still think it's absolutely terrifying i i think it's um i I, it's it's actual genuine horror um and uh and then and the the chest burster sequence is is one of the most incredible sequences i can't ever put to film i can't can i uh hot take part two real quick you like aliens more most people do so so again action horror action horror yeah uh, obsessed with ridley scott's alien masterpiece no question but I'd rather watch Cameron's film. That's fine. Yeah, okay. I understand that. I, I really think, and this okay, is going to okay, be a hot take. Okay, okay, okay. okay. And I, 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 this I, I, is I love a hot Jake. A hot Jake. I, this is a hot Jake. Um, I <laughs> really is think, it, like... Is there any other... Is, is there any other hot Jake. Like, Give your hot Jake, go. Or wait, is that your OnlyFans? I forget. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and that's just people actually responding to questions that I ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, the, the first half of James Cameron's Aliens is kind of slow. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a slow Ooh, burn. Bill it's Paxton, a, though, man. You can't burn. get past... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not knocking it, but I, I'm engaged the entirety of Alien. As opposed to Aliens, I'm sort of like, all right, let's... Let's get this shit going. I love Let's them both. Move. I love them both, but I, I love them both. I prefer uh, Sean. Do you? Where are you? I don't. It's, it's really they're razor thin separated. But I would pr- yeah. probably go alien. Although mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that the the story behind the the whiteboard and aliens is the greatest Hollywood story uh, ever ever told. What you guys are forgetting, just, though, is all of that pales in comparison to just watching the behind the scenes of Alien 3 
where David Fincher just curses at the studio the whole time. That's more exciting than the first two Alien it's, movies. It's, it's, it's Alien 3 on a chalkboard, him just, like, scribbling through it aggressively. Do you ever think about, like, I, I always think about, I always think about things like this, like, Fincher, like that, could have ruined his career, right? Sure. And like, yeah. and the he's fact too good. that he, he's too I know, good. But no, he's, 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 he's brilliant. But the fact that he survived, I mean, that that's a gigantic, gigantic thing bomb. to bomb, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And like to follow up Alien and Aliens, and like obviously, so wait, had Fincher done the game already? At that no, point, I don't think no. so. Oh. I thought the game was after Seven. Oh, okay. So ima- just imagine, like. For a second, like if the the Alien Three thing like grew in his career, yeah, we would we would not have the game Seven Social Fight Network. Club Social Network. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm just I just Benjamin think to myself Button. like, thank gosh, someone like thank thank God somebody like gave him another shot because yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. big that's a that, because I I also I also think that most people know it wasn't his fault. Oh yeah, I think that, so. and I think that was like yeah. publicly like that that was well known. But Kevin, still, we wouldn't have Mank. Yeah, we wouldn't have Mank. <laughs> but before Alien 3, he had like a decade of making some of the highest profile videos. videos, videos. And he was yeah. working with, well, I forget the name of that studio that he was a part of with, um, it was like him, I, I, I'm going to botch the story. Was Soderbergh in that? In that in it that? was a bunch of guys. It was a bunch of guys. I can't remember what it's called, but I want to say it was like him and um, it might have been Soderbergh. I believe it had Michael Bay. It was like, they were like this ragtag group of these like young hot directors that had all just decided to make their own things. Huh. So I think he was he, like I said he had had like a decade of like well established work. He had just never done a feature before. <sighs> just, and it was very and he was very public about how uh, the movie was not his. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Audience picks for uh, Ridley Scott blend. We went uh, Michelle Garrist and Harry Lichtman both chose. Gladiator, a movie that I thought would get some representation amongst the three of us. Uh, Ray Perkin went with Alien. Michael Breen said Thelma and Louise. Rachel Ho says this apathetic millennial is a big Black Hawk Down fan. I oh. hope that hope that apathetic millennial thing sticks to Ridley for a little while because it's pretty <laughs> funny, especially after our interview with him because uh, he just doesn't care. Uh, Dave Hammer and Cam <laughs> McKinney said The Martian. Christian Williams, AM, and many more said Blade Runner. Kyle Arking said Legend, and Claudius said Black Rain. So a lot of love across Ridley's is, entire filmography. Is Black Rain Christian Slater? No, it's... Uh, That's Hard Rain. It's Hard, That's hard Rain. That's Hard Rain. <laughs> we just want the money! <laughs> That's right. Black hard Rain is uh, Michael Douglas in his prime when he was going uh. through... Late 80s, early 1990s. Um, uh, this one, this next one, I, I won't be able to do. I'm sorry. I'm just going to Are we just going to bounce out? I'm going to I'm gonna abstain because I literally cannot choose uh, for next week. Larry so, Crown Blend. So you guys can play <laughs> hashtag Kira Knightley Blend uh, and let us know your pick. Oh, oh that's, email. that's easy. You think so? Yeah. She's been I, in some great stuff. Oh, I adore, no. I, 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 adore, I got mine. I adore everything. I think I know mine. Does. I don't even use do these. Usually. I know mine right off the top of my head. Okay. Literally. Well, Tune in next week. Hashtag Kira Knightley Blend, uh, or you can email us at realblend at cinemablend.com. And that is where you can write uh, a review. And we have a review this week that came in from Jacob Beck, uh, who emailed us at realblend and said, hi, boys. I hope you're all well. This is a review, but I also want to say thank you. I discovered the podcast through Kevin and Jake's 
interviews and have loved every single episode. A lot of people find us through Jake and Kevin's uh, interviews, by the way. So thank you guys for posting on YouTube. Uh, I have always loved movies and loved talking about movies with my friends. And that is exactly what your show feels like, talking about movies with friends. I love how passionate Sean is about superhero movies and have just started reading your book and I'm loving it so far. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You Jacob. wrote a book? I did. Yes, I did. Uh, I have always... <laughs> I the jig Glad we don't have that. to hear about that again. I have always enjoyed... Kevin, I've always enjoyed nice shots and how movies are filmed, but you have given me a brand new understanding on how movies are truly filmed and, and made and I'm now very interested in movies... Uh, shot on film and IMAX and the aspect ratios of movies. That makes Jake, me so happy. Jake, I love your grounded takes on movies and mostly find myself siding with you in regards to opinions on movies. Also, Gabe, I really like to hear your opinion on movies and I think you do a great job behind the scenes. I recommend the show every chance that I get and I always get excited about new episodes. My favorite episodes have been Everyone with Tarantino, Damien mm. Chazelle, and more recently your episode uh, with Denis Villeneuve. Dune isn't out here in Australia, but I still love the episode, and I'm thinking of getting on a plane and flying across two states so I can see it in IMAX. Wow. God, love this, man. This is Hell fantastic. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, 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 like, Denise spent the first, like, what, 10 minutes of our interview geeking out about IMAX. That's he awesome. He certainly did. Yeah. Uh, Jacob goes on to say, I also want to say thank you. A lot of listeners have shared their struggle with mental health, and I want to share mine, too. I have severe anxiety and going to the movies has always been something I can do that calms me down and makes me feel less anxious. And I can now say that listening to your podcast helps me out too. Just mm. listening to you guys is like therapy and your friendly banter and compassion for each other is what makes this podcast so special and relaxing to listen to. So thank you. Sorry that this email is long, but there is something else I wanted to share. Earlier this year, I was invited to a premiere of an Australian-made movie called Occupation Rainfall. The movie was fine, but it was one of the best nights of my life. After the movie, the cast and crew stayed back and gave the opportunity to ask questions. I asked the director about some of the shots that were used and his thoughts on digital versus film. The lead actress did her own stunts, and we got onto Tarantino's masterpiece Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and discussed how great it was, how he portrayed stuntmen. I'm telling you this to say how I never would have had the confidence to talk to these people if it wasn't for your show. And then he wow. attached some photos from himself uh, standing with the director and some of the cast that that we got to enjoy. So he says, so thank you again, boys. Mm. Never stop what you are doing. Your show is truly a blessing uh, from Jacob, who I'm going to assume is in Australia. So Jacob, that wow. is incredible. Wow. Uh, I mean, boys, what does that, what, what does that mean when you hear that? Well, like, first of all, uh well it's an incredible email because it it sums up the show perfectly um but it, to to hear that that all comes across and it, it's resonated like it, it it's amazing also i liked what he said about the show being therapeutic um hmm. you know as somebody who deals with anxiety and depression myself doing this show is is helpful to me like like yeah. like like this is like getting on here every week and just talking with my friends about movies like you know, I, I'm very open about my mental health and my depression and my anxiety and OCD and stuff. So um, this to me is like like it, it helps me. So I, yeah. I it's cool that it helps him, um, but also know that doing it helps me. So it's kind of a mutual thing, Jacob. So that's awesome. It is awesome. And more importantly, we're overlooking the fact that I sold another book. 
uh, through Jacob. I think so more thank importantly, you very much. Uh, another <laughs> another name in the folder of people who uh, confess to agreeing with me. To agreeing with you? Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. We hear that quite a bit, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Almost a little too much. And Jake uh, wins every game. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we got you. We understand. Uh, our next premium episode is a mailbag. So uh, mailbag. If, you guys, if you guys want your uh, questions answered on a mailbag show as part of premium, first off, send them in to us. Uh, and secondly, you can get access to uh, the premium episodes at Real Blend Premium at cinemablend.com backslash Real Blend Premium. So in the meantime, follow us on social media. You know all of our channels by now. At Jake's Takes. At Kev McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. Listen, I, it's gonna be hard to top Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott for a little mm-hmm. while, um, but we do have next some really week, exciting guests no coming. Uh, we're gonna have Kevin's mom on next week. We're gonna yes, go all no, the way back to the archives. No, we just recorded next week's guest, yes, which is actually God, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, there, with it. a surprise cameo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. let's we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> save the surprise cameo for for the wow. week of. That is oh, very fun. Wow. So. Yes. Yeah. If you if you can for next week's interview, watch the video. It's like we it was like the, one of the most organic, like <laughs> hilarious. Like yeah. it was it was awesome. Um, should one. we just can we just say who who it yeah, was? Of course. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's Camille Griffith who uh, directed right. wrote and directed a film called Silent Night, uh, starring Kira Knightley and Matthew Good. Uh, and her son, Roman, who you guys would know as the boy from Jojo Rabbit and is also uh, a co-star in this film, too. Uh, Sean, did you, did you hear um, Roman's answer about his favorite um, Kira Knightley film? I totally missed that. What is it? Uh, Silent Knightley. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Dunkirk! Leatherheads! <laughs> Leatherheads! <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.